We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Arsenal are all about alliteration as Arteta astoundingly appears heir apparent to arson amid apprehension and anxiety. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. All right, I have to admit, I cheated. Heir apparent starts with an H. But Arsenal are all about alliteration as Arteta astoundingly appears heir apparent to arson amid apprehension and anxiety is pretty good alliteration. And you do have to wonder if Arsenal knows they are allowed to hire a manager whose name does not start with the letter A. Allegri, Arteta, Arsene Wenger. I mean, I'm just saying, push it out a few letters, see what you find. In any event, I am back. Uh, thank you for the flood of messages uh, uh, expressing how much you missed me on the last episode. I kid, I did not receive a single one, but that's okay. I won't take it too personally, uh, but I hate all of you. Here to uh, carry the podcast while I simply uh, stew over my my anger and my resentment towards the listeners is Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Um, I think hair apparent is, is, has got to be a headline. Oh, touche, my friend. See, now that's what, <laughs> see, that's why I am not paid for this podcast, but you get top billing and top dollar hair apparent. Brilliant. Not alliterative, but still uh, uh, yeah, yeah. quite well done. Uh, and Clive is here. You don't have to do anything clever. Clive, don't feel the pressure to live up. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Hello. Hello. If I can give you an A, how about Allardyce? Oh, touche. Uh, but 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 no. But no, thank you. He's uh, he's surely waiting to replace Zidane at Madrid. That call is coming one of these days. Uh, we will talk about Arteta. I think we have to talk about Arteta. But this is the post-match podcast, and there was a match. It was against Huddersfield. Um, it was Arsene Wenger's last match. We did our goodbyes to Arsene Wenger, so we are not going to do it again in full, but we should at least cover 
uh, the experience of, of the final game. Um, a little thought on the game. I mean, just first things first, Clive. You know, these were nothing games as the league wound down, and it really was a dreadful league season when you think about it. This match had a little bit of everything from this season. I mean, we could have conceded five, six, seven, eight goals. The defending was not great. Uh, but by the same token, there was some good attacking play. Uh, I thought the goal we scored was sort of typical Vanger ball and a great finish by Aubameyang, who really looks like a penalty box striker, the likes of which we have not seen in a long time. Was that sort of the simple highlight for you? Just once again, the excitement and opportunity and possibility presented by Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang, you know, the, the new attack lock is that the new attacking talent that's at the club for next season. Yeah, Aubameyang's, he, he looks like something that could be very special. I hope the new manager thinks the same. Um, I think almost this game was all about off the pitch, really. On the pitch, sort of, um, we got away there early on and then we then we scored and then um, did our normal you know, to-and-fro type game. There was nothing in the game, really. Nothing to really write home about. There was no, as far as I saw, <laughs> Tim's got a different view, there was no massively standout uh, performances or or particular trends, apart from Aubameyang, really. I think what he's done in a short space of time is really worth noting with different people, different formations, moved it out to the left, played at centre-forward. It's been a great sort of a get-to-know period for him and us to get to know him as well. And we haven't had a striker so good in the box, but also good outside of the box a threat from halfway line and a threat from the six-yard line. That's a significant sort of uh, forward, which allows us, to, when we have teams to sit in, to really not be concerned. But also, if teams push us back, they push us back at their peril, right? So he's going to be interesting to watch next year. Yeah, and I, I look forward to it. I mean, you know, it's great when a player you loved from afar joins your club and then, at least initially, looks like he's everything you hoped he would be. I'm pretty enthusiastic about it. I mean, Tim, just a quick word about the game. You couldn't watch and be excited by the attacking play without at least being a little concerned about the defending. I mean, was this mm. game, apart from the fact that we did get our lone points of the calendar year uh, away, so good for us, apart from that, was this really a microcosm of our season in some ways? Some, some inspired attacking play in moments with, uh, interspersed with comedy defending along the way? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And I, and I think you can attribute at least a little bit of that to a fairly unfamiliar centre-half pairing. He, you know, the, the last kind of six games or so, he seems to have split the time between Chambers and Holding. And I, I've been really, really impressed with Chambers, actually, the last couple of months. But um, un- understandably, I think he seems to have given the last kind of three games to Holding, um, which, you know, just giving the new manager something to look at there. Um, and uh, yeah, and so... There, there was a little bit of that going on, but yeah, it's not exactly atypical of us away from home um, to be a little bit vulnerable, a little bit, you know, loose off the ball, um, a little bit too easy to get through. I think if Huddersfield had like a really good striker or not even a really good striker, like a striker, <laughs> um, you know, we might have been in some trouble um, on occasions. One thing I will say is that um, I, you know, that, so the the atmosphere around this, this is one of the best atmospheres I've ever been involved in um, a Premier League game. Like Some they, of the hashtag were... banter back and forth was fantastic. <laughs> that, yeah, that was quite good. That was quite good. But they were in such a cheerful mood and we were having a drink beforehand. And, you know, the sun was out and they've, they've stayed up and everything. And, um, you know, they were in very, very jovial mood. Uh, and, you know, 
York, they're from Yorkshire as well. So obviously they're, they're very talkative, affable, nice people. <laughs> um, you know, so all the way, you know, on the train up there and stuff, all of them had like happy Yorkshiremen and women. I mean, that's, that's like, that's conversational dynamite basically. Um, and, you know, loads of them saying, oh, I hope it's a really great game for us and Wenger and stuff like that. And one guy was telling me, he was saying, like, you know, I think everyone saw David Wagner's um, quotes in the build-up to this game, which was basically that he gave them two days off and he didn't care what they did with them. And um, someone was telling me that when they went into training on Saturday, one of the players was pictured with a pint. <laughs> well, they put the up a hell of a mill. fight, considering. Well, the, exactly, exactly. So before the game, with what Wagner said, with what the Huddersfield fans were telling me, they were just like, look, we, you know, we are absolutely just nobody cares about this game. I met two guys who'd been at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday night. They said they missed their coach back. So they had to, so they were like, oh no, now we have to stay out all night in London and get the 5 a.m. train back. <laughs> And uh, they, they sounded like they had a great time. So there was a real, like, carnival atmosphere and a real, like, we don't care. And, and actually, we just, our priority is that Arson gets a nice send-off. So actually, I was really, really surprised by the intensity with which they played. Um, you know, it, it didn't even look like freedom to me. Like, you know, they weren't trying to play champagne football or anything, but they were really getting in our faces, really pressing. And I think... It's been painfully obvious we've we've really struggled with that approach all season, which is why, you know, we've been far better at home than we have away from home because away from home teams come on to us a bit more. And Huddersfield did that. And, and actually, I think we got a more difficult game um, than we were kind of bargaining for. Um but that said, I'm uh, you know I'm I'm glad that Arsenal didn't switch off. They did, you know, we looked like we were huffing and puffing a bit, but the endeavour was there, um, which I was fairly pleased with. Um, so yeah, in some ways, a bit of a microcosm of our season away from home. In in other ways, um, a really quite different and unique game. Yeah, and and just as a final thought, Tim, I mean. Uh, we, we've said, I think, everything that needs to be said in appreciation of Arson, but just in terms of his behavior on the day, coming over and, mm. and thanking the away fans, you know, bowing to them, that sort of, I think, what will become an mm. iconic photo that's remembered for years, and giving his tie away and, and spending some time with the fans and just all the content that was created in the Guard of Honor and the, the Merci Arson that Huddersfield put up on their, their digital boards around the stadium. I mean, mm. did you have any sort of surprisingly emotional reaction to it? Because I, I really felt after the final home game that the rest of it would just slip in, into obscurity. But this did seem to have a little emotional weight to it. Yeah, I, I always felt this one would too, in a different way to the Burnley game. It, it was the Leicester game that always felt weird to me. Like it was a bit, a bit like, you know, you've sent someone off at their leaving do and then you go back to work the next day and they're, they're sat there at their desk. But this this one had a little bit different weight, also aided by the fact that it, there was nothing riding on it for Huddersfield. You know, it would have been difficult, understandably difficult for them to be um, as generous if they were in a position where they needed points. Um, but yes, yes, it, it was uh, it was very emotional. It was, it was a little bit strange because I think we all felt like we'd already said goodbye. Um, and I, I really do wish that Burnley game was the last game. Um but yeah, there, there was an emotional weight to this, um, and and I loved the bow, and and I just think over the last couple of weeks, I you know I know we said this um, after the after the Burnley game in particular, but he he really looks like he's enjoyed it this last couple of weeks. He he looks like he's really yeah, genuinely I, I totally enjoyed 
um, that that tide turning, and that that's been wonderful to see. And and it was wonderful to see him smiling on Sunday because it must have been difficult for him as well. There must have been a big part of him that was very very sad. But you know that that looks to me, at least outwardly, he manifested um, you know a real joy in the occasion, which which I was delighted to see. Yeah, I, I said I it think, on. Um, go go ahead, Clive. I was going to say, I think we're going to see a different man in the next few months, wherever he does. I think he's going to be a a massive voice in football. I think we're going to see the real Wenger without having to worry about the team he manages and how people at other clubs are going to talk about him. I hope he takes a little break and really has an opinion about the broader game and where it's going, where the European structure is going, where the the world structure is going. Take a shot. Where do you see him I landing? Think he's, I, I hope he doesn't land. I hope he actually takes a complete year off or maybe goes... I'd love to see him go into international football. Um, I think he's got more to offer parts of the world where the football isn't so developed. I think he obviously has been to the Far East, but maybe the Middle East or something like that. I think he's got a, a real world global view of the game. I've always felt he was he was trapped in our job. He, shouldn't, he should have lifted himself into a much more statesman-like role because how he talks, he talks like a, a very global statesman-like football person that does a bit of coaching of the Arsenal first team on the side. And that's how it sort of looked and we picked him apart. Now he's lifted his head up, we look at him as he really is. And I think it'd be interesting to watch to see how his character develops, how he's received how approachable he'll be to different parts of the game because he's not linked to a single club. If I was him, I'd, I'd see how the football world reacts to him and maybe select something which allows him far more breadth rather than depth within one club. His uh, his commentary at the World Cup will be fascinating because you know now the the sort of gag order is off, right? I mean, he I, I think he will always be polite and statesmanly and, and maybe play his cards close to the best a little bit, but he can maybe say some things now... Uh, that he couldn't have said before. It'd be interesting to see if he lets anything slip. I did think over the last few days you saw some of the old arson return at his press conferences, some of the humor, some of the lightness. I thought his comment about they flew the wrong banners was pretty funny behind the plane. Um, you, you know, he he just seemed to kind of get back to who he is. And, you know, I said it on, on the post-Burnley podcast, or I think that's what it was, just that as someone who left a career behind that had weighed me down and that I felt trapped in it wasn't until I really walked away that I realized what a great decision it was. And I, I think it feels a little bit like he's recognizing now that, oh, you know what? This is going to be okay, and this was the right move. So that's good. Look, it's 12 minutes, 35 seconds in, and I think we've done a bang-up job avoiding the Arteta discussion this long. <laughs> um, so let's get down to it. It does look like Mikel Arteta is going to be named the next Arsenal manager. Uh, he was an Arsenal player pretty recently. <laughs> uh, he has never been a manager. And I think there is an interesting issue, and I've noticed this on Twitter, nuance is lost on a lot of people. So let's try to have a nuanced debate about this. And Tim, (laughs) I think you can be concerned this is the wrong appointment, that it is an appointment that lacks ambition or that is overly risky, unnecessarily risky, and still feel that if this is the appointment they are going to make, that we really have no choice but to get behind this manager and support him, at least until we see what he can do. So people saying, well, we're going to protest. Look, I get if you don't feel this is the right decision. You can absolutely intelligently believe this is the wrong decision. But if it's the decision the club is making, it seems crazy to me to not support the manager, at least until you've seen what he can do. So where do you come down on the uh, 
the wisdom of the decision and how to receive it. Yeah, it's um, it, I, I kind of tweeted a little bit about this earlier today. And so the, the thing I've, I feel really conflicting emotions about this because I'm not sure it's the right move and it's not what I would do, albeit what I would do is pretty irrelevant. And, and um, I'm not the CEO of Arsenal Football Club for many reasons, um, which I don't need to go into. Um, so I'm not really qualified to make the decision anyway. But By the way, so in I'm, July, we will have a podcast episode that explains why Tim is not the CEO <laughs> of Arsenal Football Club. So don't worry, we won't leave that just hanging out yeah, there. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, weirdly, I'm really excited about it in a way that I don't think any of the other candidates, um, except maybe Nagelsmann, um, would excite me, um, even even if I think, even if if you gave me the choice of all of the candidates, and I have to assume that they'd say yes, Tim, um, yes, I'll come and manage Arsenal. I mean, I'd go for Allegri. Um, I'm not sure how much that would excite me in the genuine sense of the word, but I think it would probably be. There's a good chance it would be the right call. There is going to be some doubt, um, some question marks about whoever it's going to be. I mean, that's the way manage managerial appointments work and short of hiring Pep Guardiola there's no such thing as a sure thing um, but th- this kind of excites me and there's a big part of me that wants it to happen even though I think it might not work just because it's completely unknown it's completely unknown um, nobody is really in my opinion authorized to have a strong opinion on this I think having some doubts I have some doubts and some reservations but I've had people tweeting me today, like going, uh, I don't think he can sort our defence out. And I'm like, on what basis? <laughs> I mean, he might how not. Would you, how would you know? How would you even begin to know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. that's the problem with evaluating this. You literally yeah. have nothing to go on, which, by yeah. the way, is kind of the argument against him. And, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I think the, the question, Clive, that, that I have is there are two parts to this. One, does he understand football? 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 I just went Russian. Does he understand football well enough? Uh, yes, Chekhov. Does he understand football well enough to coach it, instruct it, teach it? He very well may. Is he mature enough, experienced enough, knowledgeable enough to go through the daily routine of being the manager at a top-flight club? Well, he certainly can't be because he's never done it. So my question for you, Clive, is, and, and you've been around players at the youth level, and I know that's a lot different, but what is the... What is your concern about whether 29-year-old, 30-year-old players, Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang, you know, players getting up into the senior parts of their career, Mesut Ozil, can look at a Mikel Arteta, especially when things go, go bad, when, when the going gets tough, and respect him enough to listen to him and believe that he has the solution? I think maybe the way players look at managers is changing. I think they like somebody in their own era. They don't want someone that wears, you know, three sizes, two big trousers to compare to them. They want someone that looks a little bit like them, that's got recent experience that they can sort of, you know... Identify with you. Thank you very much, Elliot. I was struggling with that one. Identify with. Happens to me all the time. And I'm not not worried about that bit, to be honest. I think it it all comes back to our own um, perspective on this. I'm, I'm with Tim, you know, Allegri was the one I wanted. And I asked myself the question, why did I want him? I wanted him because I wanted the club to react. I wanted somebody strong to come in that's going to force the board to think about how they support a manager. And, I, and it made me feel comfortable. Big names make you feel good. 
right? So whether they perform or not, they make you feel good. There we go. We're back. We've got a big name major in. But I, I, for all that fact, I couldn't see him on the touchline. I just couldn't envisage him on the Arsenal touchline for some reason. And I, and I tweeted as much. And, and my choice has always been Nagelsmann because I think he was the youngest coach I knew that had a, a real strong reputation that had taken a team to the Champions League twice. And he's like 31 years of age. I thought, they're going to go young. They're going to bring somebody into the group. Because remember, I'm looking at Arsenal now as not so much as a, a manager, but a team of people. And there's a team that's being developed. And this person fits into that team and brings their own coaching team with them. And so I, I felt Nagelsmann was the one, as a guess and a hunch, would fit into this. And then I think but the nearest thing to Nagelsmann of all the people that we've been debated and I suppose Arteta is the nearest thing and um, and what I, what do I think he's going to do a good job? I, I really don't know. It depends on how he surrounds himself, right? But so, you, don't, um, you don't have any concern about the players being open to him and willing to listen to him and seeing him as a respected figure in, in the dressing room and the, the clear leader of the team. I, I don't have any concerns because the one part about him that really is outstanding is his personality and his persona and how he comes across. I was quite interested that Guardiola wanted to take him straight away, but then the other guy I wanted to take him was Pochettino. And whether you, you know, forget he's a Spurs guy, he knows what he's talking about, and his coaching staff is excellent, and their attention to detail is it's obsessive like Man City's attention to detail. So that's a huge compliment for somebody that's never even coached. And he coaches for two years, has a key role. We don't know what he's like. But he's within the village of football. He's obviously got a reputation because people talk about him very highly. So my my thought is, I don't know enough to have a strong position for or against. But what I will say is that for the last couple of years, I've been talking about blowing it up and and bringing layers of people in and deepening the people infrastructure. And when it happens, I'm not going to sit here and question the minutiae of it because I want this. I want to feel the fear. I want to feel what change really is. I want to embrace that change and say, well, yeah, I'm ready for this. And I don't mind how it goes because we need to change so much within the club. And if Arteta is the person to start that process off, then, yeah, let's get behind him and see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about the next 20-year manager. I mean, if it goes poorly, it's two or three at the most. If it goes well, it's probably five or six at the most. Tim, We're not buying a house with a 25-year mortgage. We're no. buying a car with a lease to purchase for two to three years. I, that's I, what we're doing. I don't have the credit for that, but I assume that that's what most people do. Um, <laughs> Tim, what about people who make the charge that this isn't changed, that the problem is mm. he was there too recently, that he was under Arsene Wenger's tutelage, that he played at a time when Arsenal was a very comfortable, underachieving club, that he's familiar with some of the players, although admittedly not as many of them anymore, but yeah. that the Arsenal he knows and what he brings to the Arsenal is unfortunately not separate enough, not disconnected enough, that some of the same cliques, some of the same habits, some of the same culture may still lie within him that are the precise things we wanted to change. I mean, first of all, I think people underestimate just how much um, churn there's been in the squad since he left two years ago. Um, there's really only about four or five first-team players left. Um, have a look at the squad list. A lot of it has changed. Um, I mean, it is, by the way, I'll just stop you. It is pretty astounding that we're saying it's it's a lot of turnover that the only four or five players in the squad have played with the guy yeah. we're about to name manager. I mean, that's and still that's, pretty incredible. That's 
that that's like four or five if you don't include you know like yeah he played with Wilshire is he going to be here he played with a spina is he going to be yeah. here the fact that he played with um, any of them at all is you know it's still <laughs> still pretty amazing yeah and then there's like Koscielny well how significant a figure is he going to be check how significant a figure is he going to be is a spina even going to be here you know oh i hope there, not. there's there's not that it's, it's like you're down to basically bellerin monreal um and and you know a couple of others and ramsey is he gonna be here is bellerin you know, gonna be here? <laughs> yeah yeah exactly a, but, a but okay of, but i mean has happened even still you, you take but, my point right yeah, that yeah. culturally experientially arson mangroves is is this change or of is course. this potentially not change is but, that the problem i mean the thing is we don't know because right. we don't we don't know how um how Arteta was within that. I mean, we're still, we're even making assumptions that that's what the culture was like. I mean, I, I think it probably was, but none of us actually know that for sure. Those are, these are, you know, I think well observed, but inferences that we've made, we don't know how each player interacted with that. And we don't know that Arteta was, you know, one of the ones who was comfortable. It, it doesn't sound to me like he was. Um, and everything I've heard is that actually he was one of the ones who, you know, sometimes made it a bit uncomfortable. Um, I heard some years ago that the departure of Alex Song was, uh, it was largely a fallout with, with Steve Bold, but um, that Arteta had his say there. Um, I've heard the same about Wojciech Szczesny going. Um, I, you know, the, the things I heard are that a, his opinion was respected enough that um, when he said, you know, no, we got to get this guy out of here, that people listened, but also that he had um, the wherewithal and the assertiveness to say that and to make that known. Um, I mean, these are things I've heard over the last few years, not the last few weeks. So, um, but, but again, I, I can't 100% vouch that's true because I wasn't there. Um, so I, I'm a bit like I've had loads of people again tweeting me like just going, oh, yeah, Arsenal just want a yes man. And I, I'm intrigued as to where this idea that he's a yes man comes from just because he used to play for us. Um, would Vieira be a yes man because he used to play for us? No, and that while, while I me. don't necessarily agree with it, Tim, my defense of that would simply be that it is easier to say to Arteta when you're giving a young man the Arsenal job, you're taking this under the... Uh, under the agreement that you will let Sven and Raul run player acquisition, yeah, whereas yeah, an Allegri yeah. or an Enrique doesn't have to say yes to that because they have other indeed. jobs they can take. Yeah, indeed. But, uh, you know, maybe Arteta's smart enough um, to know that. Again, again, we don't know. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's just like, yeah, okay, I'll work with that because, you know, this is a bit of a plum job for me at this point and I'll do what I'm told. But, um, again, we just we just don't know that. Um, we don't know that he's going to be a yes man. We don't know how the players he played with will respond to him coming in as a manager. I mean, uh, the thing I would say maybe to counter that um, suspicion in the in the interest of balance is that he he said no when we offered him a coaching job and he went somewhere else. Um, you can't get you know you can't get less of being a yes man than saying no when you're offered the job. If he was after the comfortable environment. He'd have just taken the coaching job when he retired, but he didn't. He went somewhere else. He went with Guardiola. He was obviously very dedicated to his own education. You know, honestly, I still think this might be a little bit too soon, and I'm not sure if that education is quite deep or varied enough yet. But um, if he wanted the easy life, he'd have stayed at Arsenal, Um, and he didn't do that. 
Um, and, you know, like I said, I've, I've heard these things about how he was around players. And you, you're, you're hearing a lot of this from, you know, people who are well-placed, like the likes of John Cross. Um, I know Miguel Delaney has been, been very close to this story. And a lot of them are saying, oh, no, no, he, he, he wasn't, you know, the nice, happy, clappy guy that everyone kind of thought he was. You know, he, he has his say. Um, and he always did, and he he definitely does that as a coach. Sure. Um, so you know we 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 just have to wait and see. Again, it's it's another we're we're elbow deep in the mystery box here. Um, and <laughs> that's a new turn we, of phrase just, on me. <laughs> Was that a um, thing? We, we just <laughs> no, well, it is now. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, I, I want a mystery know, box, and I want to get elbow deep in it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you know. The, the word codpiece didn't exist in the English language until Shakespeare decided it did. So there well, we go. So, wow. so think higher we, of yourself. We're just like <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of we're grasping a little bit in the dark, and we don't know what's going to come out. We don't know. We're, we're not on the training ground. We don't know what he was like with the players. We don't know how they're going to react to this. I I imagine that Arsenal have done some due diligence and have a good idea. Um, whether they've spoken to the players or whether they just think, yeah, we saw him with the players and we know that this will work, or they've told us that they think this will work. You know, Arsenal are working, we're grasping in the dark, but Arsenal are working with a little bit more here. Yeah, so here, here's my thing, right? I, I believe that Arteta could know football well enough to be one of the premier managers in world football. At his age, you can be a brilliant mind in the game. There's no question of that. He seemed to understand football brilliantly on the pitch. He's been working next to Pep Guardiola, who quite clearly has demonstrated he understands football brilliantly, and he may have absorbed that knowledge. I am not concerned in terms of his football ideas. I also am not concerned in terms of his running a big club capability because I do think that the stratification of leadership at Arsenal with Gazidis moving closer to the football, for better or worse, with Raul being there and Sven being there, that his role is much more first-team coach. Where I am worried is that the practice of a profession is different than the idea of a profession. And Clive, I mean, I used to be a lawyer, albeit briefly. I was a good law student. I did well in law school, and I passed the bar quite easily. I was not a good lawyer when I started being a lawyer because I didn't know how to do it. That the, the concepts were easy to understand, but the practice took time to, to learn. So let me ask you, can anyone, any manager, no matter how brilliant, be a great first-team manager, a first-team coach, having never done it before, or is there inevitably a learning curve associated with this kind of job, no matter how good your ideas are? I think... Um when you look at a role like this, you've got to say to yourself, okay, he's gone off and educated himself. We all know that he um, could have been a youth coach. I think it was under 18 to Arsenal offered him. And he decided to go and work within Pep's backroom staff. I think that's a smart move. What do you think is going to, where do you think he's going to learn a little bit more? You know, he's going to, he's going to add on to his ideas. So I think that's a really smart move. And again, if, if you become a coach, you've got an idea of a coach, but actually he may be, that person with the with the vision, with the detail, who's good on one-to-ones, who's good at improving players in that regard. And he may have a coach with him that's far greater at group sessions, at structure, at the real detail. He may have somebody that's really focused on analysing, analysing games, analysing opponents, giving him data for that. It's all about how he surrounds himself so he can be the coach that he wants to be. Right, so that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at not just the team that he's joining, but the team that potentially he will bring. 
you know and there are some very smart coaches out there that do some of the fine detail that allows him to be what i've read that he actually is which is an outstanding individual outstanding man manager outstanding one-to-one coach and somebody that absolutely knows how to motivate people right so so that's what i'm looking for i'm not concerned i i think i'm excited no, I can't say I'm not concerned. I am concerned because you, how can you not be concerned with a guy that's come in that's never managed one single game of football? At some this point, very... a lack of experience impacts your ability to do any job, any job. And that's not to exactly. say I'm not excited for Arteta, but you would be a fool to dismiss the, the claim that a lack of experience is a problem. It is a problem. It is manifestly a problem. It is a problem. But this isn't this so very awesome? Isn't this so very what we do? This is... We are, I always call us a contrary club, right? So I think when Wenger came in, I think there were three people on the shortlist. If I remember rightly, Tim, it might have been Johan Cruyff, it might have been Terry Venables, Terry and Venables, there was some yeah. bloke called Arsene Wenger at the bottom. And I'm thinking, I didn't know who that was, but in your the, in the heart of hearts, you thought, I bet we're getting the other bloke. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, I get you. And, and that's and that's exactly what happened, right? And when we when this all started, yeah, all these stellar names flying around. And Arteta came in, and I heard Tim speak once about, is it going to be Arteta or someone like Vieira? I thought, don't be stupid, Tim. He's not going to be one of those two. And um, <laughs> guess what, right? <laughs> They're the two that's left on the table. And, one, and, you know, it looks like Arteta's going to get it. Right? So it's what we do. We've always done this in our history. We've always been a little bit contrary. And it's normally come out the right way. And sure. I, I'm prepared to uh, look, sit, watch, learn, listen. But don't look at this as something we're trying to replace what's been before. This is a new world, Arsenal. This is a new structure. This is a new way. And let's see, you know, I did say a little while ago, this major choice is going to let us know what type of club we actually are. And it's going to let us know what we are. And, I, and that, that concerns me slightly. I don't want us to be a finishing school. I want us to be serious. And so let's see what this guy does when he gets in how serious he is and how he deals with the players, how he recruits players, how he turns them over with the help of the support structure around him. So I'm, I'm open-minded on the whole thing. Yeah. Isn't there an argument as well that this is, this is perhaps the direction we're going to have to go in like recruitment wise, i.e., you know, we sounded out Allegri. Players who have never played football. Not interested. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I think we've tried that a few times. Um, <laughs> <Touché. actually>. Um <laughs> But, you know, like we've sounded out Allegri, he's understandably not available because he thinks he can win the Champions League with Juventus. Um, you know, Klopp's already with Liverpool. You know, we we can't quite get those top line kind what, of What about Nagelsmann or, or Jardim or, the, you know, those kind of managers? Yeah, Surely we yeah. can get them. And, and and again, I I don't quite know enough. Of, I mean, uh, to me, uh, Jardim seems um, a fairly decent fit, but I, I don't know enough about him to say, oh yes, definitely. But is but there Tim, an argument that actually the potential upside of going for like the next big thing? I mean, don't get me wrong, this is right on the knife edge because it it could very easily go wrong. But you know, the idea of getting the next big thing in coaching at the age of 36, this is the sort of move that um, Bundesliga clubs are making, basically. Uh, it's not just Nagelsmann. This is very common in the Bundesliga. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've, gone, um, we've gone very uh, Teutonic 
over the last couple of years in our thinking, I think. And I know Ivan is very, very taken with the Bundesliga um, and the way things are run there. And this, this, this is what most of their clubs are doing. They're hiring coaches in their 30s and they're kind of not quite gambling. They're making informed choices, but they're going, right, we're not going to, you know, we're not Bayern. We're not going to get Ancelotti. We're not going to get Allegri. We're not going to get Guardiola. So instead of like going for, I don't know, Brendan Rodgers um, or maybe Jardim or these kind of just below um, the elite tier where you think, yeah, but how much are they going to push the needle for us a little bit? You know, maybe we do. And I'm not saying Arteta is this person because I don't know, but maybe we do just have to take that gamble and go, right, he's 36. Um, you know, maybe in five years, we're not going to be able to get Arteta <laughs> Um, maybe we need to get in on the ground floor on this. And, and I, I don't know if maybe there's some of that thinking going on. Clive? <laughs> no, I just, I just wanted to say, um, I told, it's all about younger people now. The Schalke coach, was he named Tedesco? Something like that? I think he's yeah, about yeah. 35, 36 as well. I mean, I, he, he was one of the sort of soft outsiders as well. I, I just think... The, the coaching game is becoming for younger men and the business game is becoming for more middle-aged to older men and with more experience of running organisations. I don't see why we need to have a situation where we have one guy doing everything. So I think we have to get comfortable with the changes around the European game in particular. We have to get comfortable with how players feel about their managers and we have to embrace this. And I think it's a change for all of us who's only known, you know, one guy really for the key parts of our lives. And I'm ready for it. I'm generally ready for it. And I, I'm nervous, but I'm ready for change. Yeah. And and it's as simple as that. Look, I, the, the problem for me, so like Moyes, everyone's like, oh, there's going to be our Moyes. No. Moyes was a bad manager. He, he had figured out how to keep Everton mid-table, and, and I think he pushed them to the top four once, and that made him like a hero. The reality is Moyes was a pretty dour manager who didn't have great ideas, and when he went to United, it wasn't that he wasn't ready for United. He just wasn't good enough. I have no doubt that Mikel Arteta could go on and have a big managerial career, that his ideas about football may be of a caliber that he is seen as one of the best uh, coaches in world football at some point. My only worry is that some year he'll be looking back and saying, um, you know, Arsenal were so great to give me my chance. My only regret is that I probably wasn't quite ready for it. And and by the way, I am excited about the Arteta appointment. I am worried that that lack of experience, just the day-to-day what it takes to be a first-team manager, is one thing to sit and watch someone do it. It is another thing to do it yourself. And I hope... He is able to make that transition because from a footballing idea standpoint, he may be ready. Clive, a final thought because then I want to talk about the backroom clear out and sort of what comes next. Yeah, sorry. I, I suppose I'm about to see Sam Allardyce get another six million quid payoff and coming out of Everton. I, I just think what's happening in the premiership is these rotation of older managers that are stopping young coaches getting these jobs. That has to stop. Yes, right? I agree we, with that. We, we, we accept that. We accept seeing these people continue on the major merry-go-round and get these jobs. And we're comfortable with the Pardews and the Pulises and the Allardyces. And really, when somebody new comes up, like a Darren Moore, we question him 
and think, well, we can't give it to him. Arteta comes in, well, well, who's he? We have to say to ourselves, if we want to embrace where the game is going, we have to accept what's happening and um, and open our minds up to different people getting these jobs and people who have had multiple payoffs in the past, which I think is pretty, <laughs> pretty immoral. <coughs> I think it has to stop. We have to drive those people away or make them more accountable for their actions and also make them more accountable for the people who should stop giving them such crazy contracts and all their backroom staff because all they're doing is buying houses in Dubai and, and having a great time, right? So that's that's wrong. At least what Arsenal are trying to do, I know it's risky and scary, but it shows a level of foresight, bravery and ingenuity. And I, and I, I like it. I yeah. like what you're thinking. Okay. And I mean, it's, it's totally fine. I think, you know, we're going to find out. I do think, I mean, Tim has a last word here on people's reaction. I am okay mm. with people being of the opinion it's the wrong appointment. I'm okay with people yeah, voicing yeah. the opinion it's the wrong appointment. Yeah. It feels wrong to me if he gets appointed to then subsequently protest that appointment because at that point yep. the decision's taken he's in and god knows yeah. it's his first job and it's a big one he's gonna need some some backing look mm -hmm. if three months in we haven't won a football match and you want to protest and it's turned out to be a complete dumpster fire by all means go for it but i think you can absolutely voice the opinion that you don't agree with the the hire and that you think it's wrong Protesting it if he gets hired seems seems unproductive, to say the least, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, not only that, it's kind of illogical. There's there's two things going on with um, what I would say probably the minority of, of people that would be minded to go that way. First of all, um, it's not about the football club for them. It's about them. Um, it's about their ego. It's about I'm right. It's about this... Um, you know, this kind of digital battleground on the internet and see, um, you know, see what a mess we are. I was completely right about what a mess we are. Aren't I brilliant? Um, so there's a little bit of that um, going on. But I mean, generally, just as a philosophy in life, I guess, I don't see the point in getting angry about something that hasn't happened yet. Because when it happens... Um, there's still plenty of time to get angry about it. And, you know, your, your kind of your pitchfork and your bonfire uh, and all your iry will still be there waiting for you. It's not going anywhere um, as and when things do actually go wrong. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure I understand the logic in getting angry about something that hasn't materialised yet. Yeah. Because as and when it do and you may have the suspicion that it will, which is perfectly fine, but... Um, you really you should reserve like the protesting and the kind of eye bulging angry stuff until it's actually happened. Well, and again, I want to make it clear, and I think you agree with me. Totally within your right to say I think this is the wrong hire. Mm. That uh, this is not the choice we should be making. That is a an opinion that can be supported, and it's an opinion that could wind up being right. But once yeah. it's made, and we don't have a choice. I mean, shit. I joked on Twitter. We gave Park the number nine shirt. <laughs> you know, like at some point. You know, if you're not willing to... Didn't we get part yeah. of the number nine shirt? We did, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I tried to strike that from my memory. So, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is at some point when people make bad choices and the choice is made, you have to make the best of it at least until yeah. you don't. So, you know, I don't see what to do. Now, yeah. there has been a big clear out of backroom staff. Do you have any issue with any of the, the clearing out? I mean, the one that seems to have maybe hit people a little awkwardly and, and caused some ripples within the club is Colin Lewin was sort of shockingly yeah. announced to be let go. I mean, how do you feel about 
nobody's job being safe at the moment um first just to row back ever so slightly on the uh on the kind of people protesting i mean it's it like it's, it's perfectly um it's perfectly okay and it's perfectly possible to feel two things at the same time so it's perfectly possible to have reservations but to put them to one side yes exactly um and it's you know like i said at the beginning i feel i have reservations but i'm excited at the same time and i'm not saying everyone has to be excited but you know, you you can have. You might as well be. And you might as well be because yeah, you're getting yeah. it whether you like it or not. So. Do, you know, do you know what's more? Do you know what's more important, boys, rather than the manager choice? The most important thing is how the managers support it, mm. right? So yeah, exactly. That's the key thing. What's the financials going to be? How much support is the individual going to get on a on an emotional level, on a contracts level, on a legal level, on a recruitment level? How much money is he going to be given? How are we going to work as a club? To, make sure we give him the money so he can succeed that's what we need to worry about so the manager choice i hope for somebody that can work a lot harder with the players and coach them a little bit more but that's just my personal bias on football but you know what i want to see somebody get supported properly and the full might of arsenal football club come down to help somebody to be successful i don't want to see a manager in place that's doing 10 jobs we overwork him till he burns out and has to walk out of the club for 22 years and we didn't look after our employee. I want to make sure that we are much better support this guy and do what we need to do to make sure that we that we do that. Well, absolutely. Go, go ahead, Tim, please. Yeah, and, and that's that's clearly like what the, the, the how the club are really trying to position this as well. And as and when the Arteta announcement is made, I think they're making it quite clear that you know, the buck stops with like five or six of us now um, and not just one guy. Um, but yeah, the, like, you know, with the, with the whole like protest kind of thing, it, it just and being able to feel two conflicting emotions at once. It, it reminds me a bit of um, those those people that really lack emotional intelligence and say, oh, you can't sing Arsene Wenger's name. Now he's going because you wanted him to go. And, you know, those people who don't understand really simple concepts like just super disingenuous. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's just point yeah. scoring. That's all that is. That's just point scoring. Exactly. But, but I mean, exactly. They're, so Gunnar Hollick uh, on Twitter, who I, I have tremendous respect for and has been following the Arsenal a very long time and, and always seems to have very measured and, and intelligent uh, takes on things. Seem to be a little put off by Lewin losing his job and saying that Gazidis needs to be careful and that they're kind of rooting out the Arsenal people and that, you know, fans will start to lose a connection with this club if all the Arsenal people are gone. I mean, I can't say that because I, I don't have the same reaction to it, but I'm curious to see if you connect with that feeling at all about Lewin going and some of the people that they've they've gotten rid of. No, I mean, it's natural, isn't it? That's that's what happens. That's That's what happens in pretty much all organizations, high level or otherwise, when... When the big man goes, um, loads of other people go as well. I've, you know, I've been working in government departments all my life and um, all my career, rather. And uh, th- this is a totally natural, like particularly in government, where you are encouraged to leave. You know, big director, um, perm sec posts every three to five years, and everything is completely refreshed. When the big man goes, or or you know, when the, when when the director goes, then Several people always go afterwards. That's that's just a natural part of life. I mean, obviously, you know, for someone like Colin Lewin, that's that that's pretty tough because he's been there for quite a long time. He's established part of the club. I think from the outside, it looks like on the medical side, we've improved over the last few years. Injuries don't seem to be as big an issue as they once were. 
But, you know, they brought in... This was apparently part of a review that Darren Burgess, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of took part in. Um, And, you know, that's just the way it is. Different people come in, they have different ideas, and they want different people. And and I'm sure um, Colin Lewin is good enough that he will... Uh, he will be able to find work elsewhere. Um, it's, it's it's just a natural part of life. Like, actually, what's strange and what makes Arsenal strange and quite unique is that all these people have been here for 20 years plus. Um, I'm not sure. There's certainly not another top-level football club I can think of that, that that's had that kind of thing going on. So, you know, it, I think it goes back to what Clive said. You know, this perhaps just feels a bit uncomfortable for us because it's a little bit unusual but actually um our club's been quite unusual and this is this is just yeah. one of the things that happens and you know that's 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 just an absolutely natural part of life and look that this has been in the post for a long time like ivan has been ivan has been kind of constructing these pillars but i say behind the scenes advisedly because it's all been quite public actually so you can see where the wind's been blowing um, on this for quite some time. He's done the big, big bits. He's understood that Arsene Wenger needs to be replaced with four or five people. And now he's done that. Um, he's working on, on the minutiae um, a little bit. So, And, and also, well, you know, where, when it comes to the club values and, you know, keeping people around, there's loads of people around. They appointed Jens Lehmann last year. It sounds like he's staying. Steve Bold has been asked to stay. It's, Sounds like Freddie Lundberg has been invited back. Steve Morrow is still there heading up um, academy recruitment. There are tons of ex-Arsenal players in that staff. Uh, Ryan Gary um, is another one that's there. Greg Lincoln, a guy who was in Arsenal's academy about 20 years ago, he's on the youth side as well. Um, I, I don't. I, just because it's not like Vieira, Omri or Adams, people seem to have this idea that like Arsenal have completely done away. There's tons of ex-players there. Um, and, you know, I, I think Jens Lehmann is a smart one. And I don't know if you remember last summer when we spoke about that, I said I didn't think that was Arsene's call. I thought that was Ivan's call. That's not a personality um, I, that's consistent with the kind of environment Arsene no, have around him. No, that almost seemed pointed to me. That was like, oh, yeah, is this a comfortable environment, is it? I'm going to get the most divisive <laughs> Um, kind of assertive character we've possibly ever had under your tutelage. Um, the counterpoint that to that would be like it turned around and got us to sixth place. So <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, it wasn't the best I, idea. But, that, but what I kind of mean with that is I think, you know, Jens has been, he's been sitting in the stands. He doesn't travel with the team to games. I see him on the train to away games all the time. He's kept a distance. And I think he was appointed very much probably um, wait around the year, you know, go and sit in the stand, t- your notes talk to mr wenger say yes please thank you um next year you'll get your time um uh, you know that's just my kind of inference but yeah i mean it's it's not like you know it's 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 a bit of a cull but that i think that was always on the cards wasn't it yeah of course so let's get to one more backroom thing and then we're going to talk players really briefly we're not going to do the transfer bit yet or the end of season award stuff that will come uh in the next week or two but, Clive, uh, <laughs> Arsenal did a great job burying an unwanted news story with a lot of bigger news, but there was a little bit of scandal and, unfortunately, a, a pretty unsavory situation at the youth level that, that came to light, a uh, clear-out that took place there, not as part of managerial change, but as part of, unfortunately, uh, some bad behavior. 
any thoughts on what happened at the youth level and, and how the club moves forward from that? Yeah, I think the club have, at least have approached it. They haven't hidden it. This has been something that's been going on for many years, and it's not just involving one or two players. It's multiple players. I do know a lot about this, actually. I'm quite close to this, and I won't say too much because it's a very sensitive topic. And um, But I'll sort of have attacked it. I think what they've done is doing various sort of exit interviews when players are either released or they move on to other clubs. The same theme has been coming up, right? And so they've investigated it. Um, they were walked off the premises a few weeks back. I can say that because that's in public domain. And it really came to most people's light when they had the International Cup tournament under 23 level and, and Kwame Ampadu sort of took that job and people were wondering where those two coaches were. And that's when it became a bit more of a investigative item. Um, and so, yeah, I'm... These things happen at football clubs, not just Arsenal. The coaches have an immense amount of power. They have an immense amount of influence. They can decide who gets minutes on games. It's a very competitive environment with a huge amount of reward if you if you make it. And at the Cat One Academies, there's a it's just a, a completely massively competitive environment. And the coaches hold the power, and they can and they can use that influence if they use it well. You get good things happen. They use it badly and repeatedly badly. They earn a bad reputation. And one of those coaches, I must say, had a bad reputation before he came to Arsenal. And it was a big surprise when he got that role. And it's, and it's no surprise to me that this has happened. I didn't I didn't know anything about Steve Gatting, but I knew about Carl Larryman. And uh, it's no surprise to me at all. And um, and this will this will run and run for a little while. But Arsenal have addressed it. And... Um, they are addressing it, shall we say. I know how they're doing that, but I won't say. They are addressing it, and let's see how this ends up in, in, in the court. I'm glad they're addressing it. I'm glad they're taking care of it. I want to ask a question that may seem insensitive in light of what's happened there, and certainly the most important thing is the well-being of the young men who are at the club and that they are treated with the dignity and respect they deserve. Having said that, you said this gentleman arrived at the club with concerns around him and that you're not surprised at what happened. Does it raise questions about the decision-making at the club that they whiffed on this, that they missed on this, that they made this decision? I mean, that is a decision made by the club, and they're making big decisions now. Does it concern you? It, 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 it does concern me. It has concerned me for a while, the youth level. Um, let's see where this ends up, right? There are other people that were, all, all I will say, there are other people in charge of academy during this period. Let's see where this ends up. I won't go to any further than that. But, you know, you were talking about people going and being let go. Sometimes when you're being a club for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, for some people like Steve Rowley, how long, how long has Steve Rowley been there? A long, long time. You can get lazy in your work practices. You, you can. And I think I don't wish any ill on anybody, but we are so due renewal. If you look at any sort of high-performance team model, Look at the phases when they talk about when you need to renew your staff. And we just haven't done that. We've kept it very comfortable, very samey. And we've fallen behind the times. And and I'm afraid in some aspects of recruitment and how we liaise with agents, we've become the laughing stock of the wider game. And and some of the people that Gazidis has hired, trust me, these are the top, top people in their fields. The absolute top people and no doubt a huge expense. And so and they're going to bring in their top people. And that's the way business is, and that's the way it works. And um, 
I am hugely encouraged and excited that as a club, we're starting to renew. You heard me talk about the cultural side of things. We're starting to renew people, which is only going to lead to renewing the culture. And Fair enough. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, look, it doesn't even have to be laziness, right? Like, if you're in the same job 20 years, you can start out being a visionary and have ideas about how you do your job. And when you do them, you can achieve ex- uh, excellence and you can rise to the top of your profession and think that the way you do it is the right way and continue to do it that way for years and years and years and years and never realize that over those years it's changed and what you're doing is no longer the best practices, but you believe they're the best practices by virtue of your ascension to the top of your career, top of your field. And it's not laziness, it's just... Uh, a lack of ability to see the world around you, to see that it's changed and that you've stayed the same. So I I agree that you have to refresh sometimes to get new ideas in about how things can be done. We're doing that. Maybe some of the decisions are the wrong ones. We'll find out. I I would say I am open to the idea that Arteta is a stroke of genius as an appointment and a really um, adventurous and exciting appointment. I am open to the idea that it is critically, uh, it, it is criminally stupid and that he is not prepared and, and will, will fail miserably. But the great thing is we're going to find out. So why don't we wait and see? Uh, last topic here, Tim, for, uh, for the time being. Something interesting, I think. So Jack Wilshire did not make the England team. And, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I don't think Jack Wilshire is brilliant, but I think England has as bad a midfield as you will find in, mm-hmm. uh, in world football, and I think not bringing Jack Wilshire doesn't make a lot of sense. So maybe three or four sentences, nothing overwhelming, but... Do you think that um, Southgate made a big mistake leaving him back, or do you think it's the right choice? Um, I yeah, I I'd like to hear his reasons for it. Um, whether it's you know just based on concerns of a fitness, or whether he's it, it's never seemed to me like Southgate has been totally on the Jack train, um, as it were. He's he's always seemed a bit lukewarm, so I'm not massively surprised. I'd be interested to know why that is. Um, Could it just be like he wasn't say, there for for qualifying, and Southgate maybe just feels I've got to go with the the team that qualified? Yeah, maybe. And he's one of the things Southgate's worked quite hard on is getting a system, and you know, trying to get the players really, really into it, um, and really establish like a style um, and something that they all understand. And yeah, that's probably difficult to do when when someone's not really been included. And you know, look if someone never kicks a ball for you um, and, and, you know, Jack probably lost his chance, unfortunately, when he, he got that slight injury when he was called up in March. Cause if no, if, if someone hasn't kicked a ball for you before the world cup, 99 times out of a hundred, you don't get in the world cup squad. That's why the Theo Walcott, well, it's one of the reasons the Theo Walcott story was, was so remarkable because that stuff just doesn't tend to happen. So um, I, it's, it's I think it says that he has um, a lot more, either a lot more faith in Ruben Loftus Cheek, um, whether that's now or for the future, or whether he just thinks that Ruben Loftus Cheek fits what he wants um, a bit better. So I'm not massively surprised. I'm, I'm curious about it though. I'd, I'd like to hear. I, you know, I'd like, uh, I'd like an explanation. You demand like, an explanation. I get it. You I demand, demand an, an explanation. explanation. Totally fair. Uh, because I'm, I'm furious. Yeah. C- Clive, I mean, do you? Can you provide that explanation? I'm not surprised at all. I think Southgate, if you look at his background, he's a he's a youth coach, right? He's he has a lot of those players and the under twenty ones and he's comfortable with them. And the thing is with Jack, he's not so much Jack the footballer, it's all the luggage that he brings. Every time he plays or doesn't play, 
there's a huge sort of press fury around him. And I don't think Southgate wants that. He's uh, He studies other sports. He spends time with Eddie Jones. And he's big on the cultural side. He's big on, there's no stars in my group. This is my group. And you're a certain way. And Jack, he's just different. He's a maverick. And I just don't think Southgate wants those mavericks. I mean, he railed against Will Sahar when he was younger. Sahar wouldn't, he was very much individual. He was not so useful with the ball at the time. He kept it too long. And Southgate rejected him very publicly. And then the chance to actually bring him on board, he rejected it. And now Sahar potentially could be a £50 million player going to Man City. He's probably the best player outside of the top six, right? So, And so when he decides you're not part of his sort of culture, then he will go against you. I think Jack falls into that maverick piece, I'm afraid, and that will take the shine away from the group collective that he's trying to um, bring forward. Well, I never thought he'd take him. I'm it's sure not about football. It's about other things. I'm sure Jack will find some way to enjoy his summer. I, I have full faith that he will figure that out. Um... So then it leads to an, an interesting point, though. Jack Wilshire doesn't make the World Cup team. Lacazette, I think quite harshly, does not make the French team. Aubameyang, uh, they're not in the World Cup. Um, uh, Aaron Ramsey, they're not in the World Cup, assuming he sticks around. This could be quite interesting. Uh, Mkhitaryan, not in the World Cup. I mean, Tim, is it potentially a huge advantage for the club that all of the really important attacking players and creative players and players that we are going to need to depend on if we're going to do anything next season, potentially have the whole summer off. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a huge upside. And even some of them, there's actually not that many players going. It's really, it's, it's Ozil, it's Iwobi. Um, you know, is, is Mustafi going to make the Germany squad? He wasn't in the Don't last. think so. Is he going to make yeah. the Arsenal squad? <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. I think, I think yeah. Welbeck will go. I think Welbeck will go. If that's, that's yeah, the only one. and you know, Welbeck's not, a crucial player for us. I mean, you know, is Mon Monreal's probably not going to go? Nope. I mean, it's really, you're looking at Granite Xhaka and Switzerland aren't going to go deep. Iwobi, I'd be surprised if Nigeria went that deep. It, it's really only Ozil um, in, in, in that squad um, at the moment. The rest of them have either retired or played for countries that haven't qualified. And yes, uh, to your point, Tells I you think Tells you a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, El Nenny will go probably, won't he? Yeah, yeah. Is he going to be and fit? It, I, I think yeah. so, yeah. I, I think he's he's about fit now, but they just, you know, they... They didn't but yeah, the point stands. I mean, Aubameyang, Mkhitaryan, Lacazette, Ramsey, yeah, yeah. Wilshire. I mean, it's a hell of a group to be to be leaving back, yeah. and it also means that we can have a preseason for the first time in God knows how long. Exactly, that looks and, something like a squad preparation. And for you know, for a new manager, that's that's going to be quite crucial. Yeah. So I mean, are you? Does that give you? If you were going to be optimistic, that combined with obviously mm. all the incredible spending we're going to do, that that would be the reason for the optimism, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, there, there is that to it. Um, you know, again, counter that by saying, we were saying this time last year, well, the good thing about being in the Europa League is um, that we won't have to play our first team in, uh, in the group. The gold is rest, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, but, but you know, um, I mean, it, it all comes down to how the new match is going to fare, isn't it, really? But that that's like, that's a marginal gain already for the new manager. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's every reason to be positive about that. Clive, it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing, is it? 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it isn't. And that's why, you know, I, I tweeted something about, like, I feel bad for Lacazette not getting into the French team. Everyone's like, well, they'll be rested for us. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say I wanted him in the team. I just I feel bad for him. Clive, I mean, a final thought on that. You agree? Is that is that a potentially huge advantage for us, especially given that most teams will have such a short preseason? Yeah, I think it is a huge. I didn't know about Lacazette, actually. I knew he was on the edge. I saw a preview squad, but I didn't know if it was actually... Yeah, you're a casual squad. observer of the game. It's totally fine. I get it. Oh, I missed that one. <laughs> I'm keep making me work. I'm going to get onto it more at work. That's a blow for him, because I think he deserves it. I think they were looking at that guy, Thovan, who's been at Newcastle. I don't agree with that at all. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's good for us, right? And, again, we're, we're into the unknowns. We don't know who's going to stay, who's going to go. We, we we really don't. I know we're not going to do transfers this time, but I look forward to that podcast. Oh, no, we're um, saving that one for the uh, hashtag <laughs> clicks. So, yeah, don't waste that. <laughs> I'm ready for that one, mate. I tell you, I've been reading up. Right? So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's going to be positive. But like I say, we've got so many unknowns, we don't really know. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, if that doesn't sum up the podcast... We don't really know. We don't know. I, I don't know what we does. Know. So I think we should leave it there. Tim's on Twitter at Stilberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. As always. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Thank you, friend. Thank you very much. My name's Elliot Smith. You can and should block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. I really, really insist upon it. It is very important that you do so. Please give us a five-star review. I mean, look, what else do you have going on? You write this five-star review. You can write all this nasty, silly shit about Paul. Say terrible things about him. The guy deserves it. I mean, Scott will be back at a future moment. We're going to do a post-season review podcast um, that gives out awards, talks about highs and lows, and Scott will kind of cover statistically uh, where we went wrong. Uh, I feel like it may heavily involve the words away form, but we'll get to that. In any event... Or, or defense. Well, you know, now you're getting too granular for me, my friend. That's over my head. In any event, uh, we will be back with the transfer uh, special and a postseason awards show. We'll be wearing tuxedos. You don't want to miss it. So we'll talk to you after Arsenal sign. Nobody. Cheers.